Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker is Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson was the special guest for Spiritual Renewal Week. He is an artist, author, and performance speaker. Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry, are you all dead? Good morning. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, welcome to the land of the living. Um, there's this story I keep thinking about, and I want to read it to you, and then I just, I want to talk about it. It comes from, uh, the book of Luke, chapter 7, and it goes like this. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is and who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. Very gospel. Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 coins and the other 50. And then when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my water, uh, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's think about the setting for a second. So this Pharisee Simon at his house, he says Jesus is visiting and he's like, Come on over and let's have a conversation. This was really typical during that time that when a visiting prophet, teacher, rabbi would come into town, the religious leaders of that time would be like, or of that town would be like, come on over, we're going to have a group discussion. It was kind of like a live podcast taping, okay? So they're sitting there having a discussion, and actually people from the town would come and listen in. It was like, you're going to hear this kind of uh, rebuttal, this conversation, these wrestling with some things, and people can come and listen to their religious leaders talk about this stuff. Now when we imagine a table, we all sit down like this, but the table back then looks something like, like a really funky, uh, like a hookah lounge, you know, you're kind of like laid out like this, like Jabba the Hutt style, you know, and there's food in the middle and everybody's kind of laid like this having a, which I don't know how you have a serious conversation, like, tell me about what you think about the Bible, you know, like, 
but they're all <laughs> laid around this table so they can face one another, and there's food in the middle, and the stanky part of them, which is their feet, you know, is on the outside. So it's a, like food, people, stanky on the outside. That's how the setting is. Uh, other people are around listening to the conversation. Lots of people are there. It's not just like an intimate conversation. It's like a lot of people are there. So there's like three aspects of the story that I keep thinking about. One is who is the scandalous person in this story? The scandalous person in this story is Jesus. He's the scandalous person in the story because guess what? He forgives sins. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? How dare he do that? I mean, they're kind of like, who is this guy forgiving sins? Because at a time, for him to just go, your sins are forgiven, those religious leaders there are like, uh, I'm sorry, what? No, 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 no. You have to go down and get an animal. And then you have to carry that animal, like this, like this, to the temple. And you have to walk in. And then you give it to somebody. And they go, and then the blood pours out. You just can't go, you're fine. You know, there's a whole process, a whole system of how we forgive sins. I, you, you can't just do that, right? All of these people who are there are in the business of forgiving sins. They're all part of the system. And Jesus is scandalous in the story because he's bypassing that and, and, and offering something else. The second thing that I keep thinking about this story is sinner. Um, so this woman, it says that she's a sinner. What's, what do you guess that is? Anybody want to say it out loud? Is this a, do you guys study the Bible here? What do you, what do you think it is? Prostitute? Any, any other options? It's mostly prostitute. Somebody, you know, a lady of the night. Oh, you would say, right? Isn't it interesting that it actually doesn't say what that is? Like it just says she's an immoral woman, a sinner, right? She could have been somebody in town. You know, like have you ever been to a city and there's those guys who have like the cups and they have the ball and they're like, come on over here. Guess what the cup is? Cup, 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 And they take your money. She could have been like a thief like that. Oh, I, uh, I always lose my money to her. What a sinner. You know, like maybe she's like stealing tires off carts late at night, like jacking them up and then selling them on the black market. What a sinner! Isn't it interesting we've already assumed who she is and what she's doing? She's a sinner. And if he would know what kind of person. It does, the text does lend. It's not saying it's not that. It, it's, 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 it's okay to say like, yeah, it's probably what she's caught, it, uh, caught up in. But it doesn't necessarily say. All of a sudden our assumptions about somebody come up fascinating. Also, too, sinner just simply means, well, no, let's, let's stay with that for a second. Um, even if she is a prostitute, even if she is involved in the industry of sex, um, I have a daughter who's nine, and she has friends, and I've known women my whole life. <laughs> I haven't ever heard any of them say, you know, one day I can't wait to make some money by selling my body. Ending up in a certain vocation like that there's a lot of things that have gone wrong along the story of your life. There's a lot of things that didn't work out the way you had hoped. There's a lot of people who have taken advantage of you, a lot of people who have abused you. Nobody just falls down some stairs into prostitution. It's a long series of abuse and trauma. 
who, what's this woman's story? How did she become somebody who they're like, if you knew who this woman was, what happened to her? Also, sinner just simply means heathen. It just means she's not partaking in the temple system. Maybe there's a variety of reasons for that. Maybe she's like not Jewish. Maybe she's like a Samaritan or something else. They would probably have said that, but maybe she's like something other than Jewish. Maybe she can't afford it. You know, you had to buy the animals to go do temple. Like you had to buy the sheep and the, the lamb. But if you were poor, like say a professional artist, what you could do is you could buy a pigeon, a dove, right? In fact, in the gospel, all the gospel texts, when Jesus goes to the temple and he sees the money changers selling the things, and he sees, and he goes and overturns the tables, all, it says, in all the texts it says, and he turns over the dove sellers' tables. Why? Because the dove sellers were the ones selling it to the poorest people, and they were jacking up the prices, and they were standing in the way of people dealing with their sins, dealing with the weight of being a human. And Jesus is like, get out of the way. Why are you standing in the way of people dealing with God? We don't know a lot about her story, but we know that it's not working for her. It's not working for her. Somehow she's on the outside. She has a reputation. It's not working for her. But she's trying to find a place where it can work. Where can I go? Who can I talk to? Where can I meet with God? And somehow she hears something about Jesus. Maybe she overheard a talk. Something was whispered to her, and she's like, this is the guy. I can go to him. What do I have? I don't have much. I have some perfume. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to this live podcast taping, and I'm going to bring my perfume. There's going to be a lot of people there. Everybody knows who I am. Imagine, how did she show up here? Let's imagine this scenario. Imagine you. You're trying to do like kind of like a covert op. All right, we got to sneak in there, put the perfume on, boom, out, you know, before I get kicked out. Do you think they're all going to let her stay there? No, they're going to like immediately like get her out of here. So she's got to like get in quick, do the thing before she gets kicked out. So she's like in her house. She's like, I have this thing. Okay, I know where Simon's house is. I'm going to walk down there. She's walking down to the house. There's people gathered. There's something going on. She's probably standing on the outside. I can see, I can see where Jesus is. I can see his feet. Okay, if I can just move. There, there. Okay, if I can just move through there. I can quickly get in the door. I can get to his feet before I get taken out. Okay. And so she's there trying to do her thing. I'm going to do it. Do the thing. All right, here's the feet. And then she's confronted with unwashed feet. Her assumption was, as Jesus, as a guest of Simon the Pharisee, that the traditional uh, offering of washing a guest's feet would have happened. Because she didn't show up with a water basin or, you know, water in a basin to wash his feet. She just showed up with perfume. She assumed his feet would be washed as a guest. Because if you put perfume on dirt, it ruins the perfume. It ruins the gift. She's trying to bring a gift, and she's like, my, g- <laughs> uh, my gift is ruined. I don't, I'm not prepared for this moment. I don't have anything to wash his feet with. All I have is myself. All I have 
is my body. You don't know what I've done with my body. That's not. I can't. And then tears. Here's the water. Here's the towel. That's all I have. That's all I have. I think this moment here is the moment of faith that we're all invited to. What do you do with this is all I have? Is my body. Is me. Jesus' disciples come to him and ask him, they say, how should we pray? Which is an odd question because they are in a highly religious society. There's tons of information out there about how to pray. Tons of rules, ways to do it, all that stuff. But they go, how do you think we should pray? And Jesus says to them, don't be like all the other people who just like go on with words and all that stuff. You go into your closet or your shower nowadays. That's the best place to pray. Go into your closet where you're all by yourself and have a secret conversation with God. Because your Father in heaven knows everything you need before you ask. And then he says, and then when you pray, pray this. And he gives the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not a series of things to accomplish. Because of that prerequisite, your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you ask. The Lord's Prayer then because, becomes something that we enter into. It becomes something we practice because your Father in heaven already knows everything you need. I've written a couple books about prayer with a friend, and um, I remember I was going through this, and I was like, okay, so if your Father in heaven already knows, then what do you talk about in prayer? Like, what do you do during your prayer time, right? And maybe this is why some of you don't know how to pray, because you're like, well, if God already knows, why do I have to say anything? You know, it becomes like this weird cycle of self-doubt. And so I was like, huh. So what I started to do as I would, for about a year, I'd wake up really early in the morning because I have small children and when you're a parent, you're trying to find some measure of silence and peace before the chaos starts. And I would wake up really early and I'd make a cup of coffee and I'd sit in my living room for 20 minutes to an hour and I would just go, you already know. What do you want to talk about? And I would just sit there. Sometimes you don't know that God already knows. And so as you're sitting there, <laughs> as you're sitting there, you're like, hey, um, I just want to make sure you do know. Um, so uh, I, that job didn't work out and uh, we got some bills coming up and I'm, I'm a little nervous about that, but I know you already know, but I just want to make sure that didn't get bypassed by all the political, geopolitical stuff going on. Um, Okay, you already know. Great. Oh, uh, by the way, my, um, you probably already know, but um, my friend's really struggling with some uh, deep depression, and he, he talked to me last night, and I, I'm not sure how to be a friend alongside of him, but um, if you have any opinions on that. I mean, you already know, but I just want to make sure that I was, you know, front and center. Okay, great. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, sometimes... You need to practice that he already knows because uh, you don't know that he already knows. So you're like, uh, yeah. But once you get past all of that, something really interesting happens. 
is that all those deep down places in you, that, that deepness in you where you hide things, those things start coming up to the surface. And as you're sitting there in the you already know, you start confronting those, the things you're ashamed of, the things you're afraid of, the things that you don't tell anybody here about. And you have to go, oh, do you already know that? Oh, okay. Um, are you going to leave? No? Okay. I remember one time I was sitting in that moment, and that deep down stuff inside came up. And I knew very much that I was a, a sinner. But I was like, this is all I have. All I have is me. And as I sat in that moment, I said, do you already know that? Do I have to do anything? I don't know what to do. And I don't know if you've been confronted with the silence of God, but it's unsettling. And uh, I was like, I really need something. Now that, you, now that I know you already know, um, I need something that would be really helpful today. And I sat there for a long time and I got nothing. And uh, it was getting close to seven when I knew kids had to get up and I needed to make breakfast and do all that stuff. And I was just like, all right, well, we'll see how the rest of the day goes. Um, and I don't know why I did this. I never do this. I've sometimes done this. Uh, you know, television's a really helpful parenting device. And uh, I was like, I knew the kids were going to get up. I was going to make them breakfast and get their lunches ready and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? If they came out of their bedroom and the TV was on, that would make it just a lot easier. And so I picked up the remote. And I was standing in front of the TV. And, I, uh, and then I turned it on, and this is what was on. Anyway, I had surgery earlier this summer because I have pain in my stomach called autonomic dysreflexia and I just what was that autonomic word? dysreflexia I'm not exactly sure what it means but you sure can say it yeah anyway so I had a surgery done just recently mm -hmm. to try and cut this sphincter because it's holding my urine in mm -hmm. so well you have a lot of things going on when you're this just shows you have a lot of things happening to you when you're handicapped, but most of the time. But, and uh, sometimes it happens when you're not handicapped. Of course. But you're able to talk about those things. Yeah. So well, and help other people mm -hmm. who might have the same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know that song that I sometimes sing called, It's You I Like? Mm-hmm. I'd like to sing that to you and with you. Okay, okay? sure. It's you I like It's not the things you wear It's not the way you do your hair But it's you I like The way you are right now The way down deep inside you Not the things that hide you Not your fancy chair that's just beside you. But it's you I like. 
every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feeling, whether old or new. I hope that you remember, even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like, it's you yourself, it's you. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. It's interesting. You know, the times I get most bored with God is when, um, is when I think we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> you know, if you're like, God was like, Scott, how was your day? And you're like, oh, uh, yeah, my day was interesting. I met this person and this person. And he's like, I know everything. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know, like, do we have anything to talk about? I know our Father in Heaven knows everything before we ask, but what are we talking about? There's a way of looking at Jesus and uh, your theology teachers can clue you in on this, but you can assume that Jesus walked through our world knowing everything. Or, as the Philippians said, he became fully human, and he had limitations, and he didn't know everything. He walked around the world like we did, listening, paying attention, and all of that. And it's fascinating along the way that, you know, Jesus comes up with all these metaphors and stories, these parables. Did he receive a heavenly fax? Was he just like in his bedroom and then it was like, I got it, I know what to say today? Or was he going, where am I finding God in the world? Where is it happening? Who, where, how, when, what is going on? And what are the stories and images I could give to that? And so along his journey, he's like, yeah, you know what the kingdom of heaven is like? I remember walking one time alongside my friend neighbor's field, and I saw some seeds on the ground, and there's birds getting it. Some were getting choked up. Yeah, it's like the good word that goes out and goes in the soil. Is there good soil waiting for these seeds? Hmm, that's a good story. Uh, oh, you remember John? Remember when his son Robert was like, I hate you, Dad. I just want all my money, and I want to get out of here, right? And then he came back, and Robert was like, just make me a, you know, I'll be an employee. And John was like, no, I love you so much. He's like, that's kind of what God's kingdom is like. Yeah, right? And there's this really interesting moment before Jesus is arrested and crucified. He takes his friends together, and he gathers them together, and he gives them an image of what it means to love one another. And he takes off his robe, and he gets down, and he washes his disciples' feet. Where did he see that from? Where did a simple, ceremonial, normal thing of washing become an expression of love? It came from all I have is me. I guess my question to you is, do you think that you, in your worship, in your response, in your faith journey, could be the kind of person that could surprise God? That you could surprise God with an expression of love when you willingly are, you're willing to bring all of you to that. 
the way down deep inside you. Not those achievements and things. That's just beside you. I see you. It's you I like. It's you that I love. I think that, her story, her work, that is what it means to be a person of faith, is to enter with, this is all I have. I pray that you would allow the way down deep inside you to come in your expression of faith, in your love of people. May you see, do you see this woman? Do you see your neighbor? Do you see the other? Because so many things can happen to us throughout our lives to get us where we're at. I hope we can all see that person. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.